0: Today on the show, we're going to talk about the history of fitness and calisthenics. Brittany, before we get started, pop quiz. How do you spell calisthenics?
1: C A L I S T H E N I C S. Calisthenics.
0: No, you're cheating.
1: No, I'm not. Yeah, you're looking at your phone, you little cheated <laughs>
0: cheater. This was a hard episode to do, just because the simple fact is, I could not spell calisthenics. I typed it into Google and other search engines, and it kept auto correcting.
1: Did you mean super califragilistic
0: Did you mean getyourgedonline.com <laughs> because you need it, idiot? <laughs> It's all fun and games at the squat rack. Oh, until somebody reps out a protein fart. Squeeze those cheeks and get ready for Under 10 Fitness. Y'all ready for this? What's up and welcome to Under 10 Fitness. I am your dude voice, Drew Smith.
1: And I'm your lady voice, Brittany Smith.
0: Today, it's the history of fitness and calisthenics. It's important to know where we've come from in fitness, to know where we should go next. And also, we want to talk about some of the important things when it comes to bodyweight training and maybe why we should be doing that before getting those dumbbells out and looking all sexy for the ladies and men in the gym. Sorry, I, I always have to worry about being like too sexist. Yeah, so all the always,
1: people. All the people in the gym.
0: No, just you. I'm worried about you judging me oh. for being sexist. Anyways, let's be sexy for the the people in the gym. But now, before we go too far... Let's figure out what calisthenics is. You've heard the word. It sounds very fancy, but Brittany, in Drew terms, meaning very simple, (laughs) what is calisthenics?
1: Well, Drew, in its essence, calisthenics means body weight training. Does that make sense?
0: That does. So we're talking about movements that don't require really any equipment, save for Mm
2: -hmm.
0: a pull-up bar or something of that nature.
1: Right. Yeah, maybe. Um, But I think it's just in its pure form, calisthenics is just you and yourself. And that's it.
0: Oh, speaking of which, I do (laughs) calisthenics every night.
1: (laughs) Uh, What are you talking about?
0: (laughs) Anyways, let's move on here. Uh, Calisthenics is... So it's that simple. It is bodyweight exercise. So this is... I do calisthenics every day when I squat down to pick something up or when I walk up the stairs or, (laughs) but this really, we're talking about in a more fitness setting where you're actually doing Mm -hmm. these movements for a purpose.
1: Right. It's, it's the intention of exercise. It's not just walking. It's the, it's walking with the intention of losing weight or gaining muscle or mobility. So do you want to know where the word calisthenics comes from?
0: Yes, I do. Why, why is that word the choice for body weight exercise?
1: Well, the word calisthenics comes from the ancient Greek word kalos, which means beauty, and stenos, which means strength. So it is literally using one's body Wait, Hold on. It's literally. Hold on beautifying yourself with strength. <laughs> no, I don't know what, but calisthenics means beauty strength.
0: A little bit of beauty and strength. So one might be able to surmise that from that definition, you are strengthening your body with the intent to look good,
1: maybe. Mm-hmm. Seems like it.
0: So for this, I went and I kind of researched the history of fitness. So I have, and somebody else did the research for me, but I, I gathered some stuff to find out, you know, what, has fitness done over the years and where did it really come into play? So I have like the overview of fitness. What did you go out to bring? And then we'll kind of figure out how to map out the episode here.
1: I went into the history of calisthenics in the US and um, how the word was actually formed in the U.S. and popularized in the United States.
0: Perfect. So how about I start with way back in the day, we're talking about 8,000 to 10,000 B.C., and then once we get up to closer to the 1900s, then we'll jump in to talk more about what happened in the U.S. So basically, looking at the history of fitness, it's kind of hard to find out exactly what people were doing because they didn't have journals and they weren't writing everything down but historians have researched this actually pretty extensively and there is a a doctor of history that is really kind of paved the way and I I, re- I looked into what he was finding and basically since humans were around we've been doing something for physical activity and it wasn't necessarily this regimented thing so pre 10000 BC fitness and exercise for people was really hunting trips these would take days you would have to travel relatively far to find the source of food we're talking about animals that you're hunting and then you got to kill that animal and then you got to bring it back to camp and then also gathering of food so all of these different things require people to walk for very long trips and you can assume that when you're hunting something that you've got to crouch and crawl and sneak up on this animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like me when I run out and I'm like, hey, hey, come here, little deer. I'm ready for dinner.
1: At the grocery store? <laughs> yeah. Drew's over <laughs> King Super's, like crouching underneath the, uh-huh. <laughs> the I
0: I jump over somebody and <laughs> snatch a pound of ground beef out of their hand and run off with it. And... That was the basic means of fitness. Though, there were some other things as far as a lot of the rituals and gatherings would include dancing and games. Tag and other sorts of games. I imagine Tag was probably the first game ever made.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. I imagine outside of survival, the cavemen had to entertain themselves somehow. They didn't have iPhones at this point in time.
0: Yeah. And so that was the basic means of fitness was basic life mm-hmm. there wasn't this need to really do anything else because they were getting enough regular exercise so that when it was time to relax they were tired i mean you're you're working all day then we're we're going to jump forward quite a bit because that's pretty much the way it was uh until there were some advancements in Farming, basically, Mm -hmm. they learned that, oh, we can grow these crops right here. So we don't have to move. We don't have to go anywhere. And so that was a really big progression in obviously life, but I would say maybe a regression in physical activity because you're not having to travel as far to get the bulk of your food, which is going to be through grains and other crops that you can grow right where you are. But in China, around 2500 BC, Mm -hmm. they really started teaching physical activity in a way to cure diseases and help with mentality. Hmm. This is when Confucius became popular. And, you know, I don't know much about Confucius, but he was a philosopher from what I understand. Mm So his idea of fitness was to progress the mind, right? And so it's not just for simply getting your exercise. But this is kind of where Kung Fu came from. And it was originally intended as gymnastics and they mimicked different animals in their Mm. fighting style. So I vaguely remember seeing this on movies and stuff like, oh, that's a little crouching tiger kind of, you know,
1: Kung Fu Panda.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And obviously, I've never practiced any type of martial arts, so I don't know exactly how it relates to the animal movements, but that's what's going on there. And then also, very popular at around the same time in India was uh, something that we all know of. Can you guess what it is? Yoga. That's right. And yoga, uh, nobody's really clear on when it started, but they believe that it's existed for at least 5,000 years. Hmm. And yoga, again, very meditative in nature, but also understanding that, oh, well, we do need to move a little bit. So now there's becoming this more connection of we can't just sit around all the time because sitting around hurts my body, so I have to actually move at least a little bit. And then the best part that I think Is the Greek civilization and when they started finding fitness and this is actually where fitness becomes a little bit more regimented and you look at Greek arts and sculptures and they really are of beautiful people. Yeah. I mean, they've got little leaves where their private parts should be, so it's very pretty there. Or big
1: leaves, just depending. Average,
0: Average average average-sized leaves. (laughs) And everybody's got, like, abs and a six-pack and biceps and stuff. And this is actually when they developed the first types of actual gyms. They were fitness training centers, and it was built around calisthenics and bodyweight exercises.
1: This is where, like, the Olympics came in, right?
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. They were... Very big in the Olympics and competing. And we could do a different episode on actually just the Olympics and when they started. I didn't get too much into that. But the uh, the thing that rang true and stood out the most was the it, invention, really, of the gym. It was the, the modern-day gym to them, which was really just a, a building with a big grass field in the center.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But still, it was like an intentional, it was an intentional place for for probably only men to go and exercise for the purpose of, I imagine, army or militarization.
0: This was, I mean, a lot of these things were done purely just to look good. Hmm. Um, And I didn't find anything that related to training for military, but... That's really where a lot of fitness comes into play and especially in the dark ages and middle ages where people were, you know, fighting for a lot of different things. So, yes, they were training uh, mostly I, fighting styles for mm-hmm. for training there. Okay. And then not really much changed as far as literature and things coming out with fitness. I will put a link to the uh, history resource that I found here. If you want to kind of get into it, it puts it really together in a nice, neat, easy to follow uh, for you to figure out what's going on as far as fitness. But there's nothing too interesting that's happening from here on out. So I think this would be a good point to really jump into kind of where we are now. Okay. Um, so there's, you know, there's just lots mm-hmm. of fighting in history from this point up until the Civil War. And so once we kind of try to get through that fighting, and now things have calmed down, we're building a civilization here in the United States, where does fitness come in for you? What years are we talking about here?
1: Um, so I'm talking about the mid-1700s up until today in okay. the United States. Okay. So, as you may have noticed in your research, Drew, the term calisthenics actually never really popped up anywhere because there was never a word for it. There was never a word really for exercise. But in 1842 in the United States, there was a gym that opened on the East Coast somewhere. Um, that... It was a CrossFit gym, I bet. <laughs> close, it was very close. Um, it was actually a, a gym that opened in a school for girls, and they had gymnastics types of um, classes specifically for girls in girl schools. and And the person who opened up this gym called this exercise calisthenics. So this person in 1842 really coined the term calisthenics um, again after the Greek the Greek word um, kalos kalo for uh, beauty and sanos for strength. So calisthenics was a very popular program in girls' schools and, and other boarding schools up until the mid-1900s. And in the mid-1900s, that's when we see an introduction of sports, Um in, in schools. So, I'll kind of get to that. I'm going to go back a little bit. Um, so, the history of calisthenics in the U.S. The Industrial Revolution began in the mid-1700s, and this meant that people were transitioning from doing manual labor, you know, farming and and Whatever whatever else is considered manual labor, I don't know.
0: <laughs> sweeping. There was lots of sweeping of things.
1: <laughs> we can imagine. Milking cows. Yeah,
0: you're talking about, I mean, farming really when it all comes down to it. And putting making clothes, making wagons, <laughs> anvil. The People hammer stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Steel making. Sure. I don't know. Things like that, I Sword guess. Sword
1: making? <laughs> yeah,
0: lots yeah, yeah, lots of swords.
1: Lots of swords. But, but machines were invented, so people started to work in factories during the mid-1700s, thus becoming a little more sedentary. They could sit for longer, they could stay in one place, become stationary, and that's when we started to see this idea of intentional fitness. Um, like, I need to work out so that I stay beautiful, <laughs> And healthy at the same time.
0: Just imagine the first farmers that are so used to all of this intensive labor, then all of a sudden this machine comes in that basically plows the field for them. And they're like, what? Now I have eight hours to kill during the whole day? They were probably pretty restless.
1: Mm -hmm, I can imagine so. And people really were... Still focused on their health then as well.
0: That's because there were so many things that could kill you. If you (laughs) got like a fever, you could die.
1: Well, I don't even know if things like morphine were invented yet. I mean, you could, yeah. Morphine came around
0: in the Civil War, I understand. So probably close.
1: Close to that time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So then Catherine Beecher came along and she developed the first calisthenics program in U.S. schools Specifically, again, specifically focusing on exercise programs for school-aged girls. At the same time, in 1823, there was an influx of European immigrants coming to the U.S. that brought their own gymnastics programs and their own fitness culture to the country. About a year later, in 1824, a German scholar named Charles B. Beck opened the first gymnasium in Massachusetts that was open to the public. Um it also hosted school gymnastics programs. And Dudley Sargent was another club founder where and he opened a lot of gyms um and even encouraged women to free themselves. <laughs> from from dressing in, in, in their typical style of clothing. So this Dudley Sargent guy, um, he was like he was like a feminist. You know, he was like, you know, women should be able to to wear comfortable clothes instead of corsets and uh, skirts at the gym because he wanted the women he wanted women to be able to have a good experience with their health and fitness as well.
0: Did he invent yoga pants?
1: yes i'm just lying <laughs> that was a total lie
0: it's like here you go ladies and they were like no 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 so they throttled it back a little bit and said okay you can wear trousers there you
1: go. i imagine that because I've, I've seen old pictures from the 1920s and women were still wearing long skirts with maybe um like pantaloons or something under them pantaloons. for basketball i don't I, there's a picture of my step-grandma, and she's wearing a long skirt and with like shorts or short pants underneath, and that's what she wore to play basketball. Pretty cool. Nice.
0: <laughs> it's hard to play basketball in a dress. Take my word for it.
1: <laughs> uh, so the rise of the modern fitness that we think of today in terms of weightlifting, weight loss, dieting, and bodybuilding began... At the beginning of the 1900s. And by the time the 1960s rolled around, calisthenics in general were just not popular anymore. And instead, people were lifting weights, um, dieting, and doing some pretty intense bodybuilding. And even though body weight training declined in popularity, There were still some programs in the U.S., such as the U.S. military and school P.E. classes that continued to base their fitness tests off of body weight exercises, such as pull-ups, push-ups, and running. So, in the military, in the um, mid-1900s, individuals had to run two miles in 13 minutes or less. Um, which is a 6.5 minute mile, and perform 75 push-ups and 80 sit-ups in order to pass their basic military training. Or
0: what something. was the time on that? Was there a time to do two
1: miles in 13? Oh, for the push-ups. For the
0: push-ups and sit-ups. no,
1: I didn't say. I think it was just be able to perform 75 push-ups without stopping. maybe oh,
0: okay, maybe in a row.
1: Okay, yeah. In 1953, um there was a professor from New York who called himself Dr. Hans Krauss. I don't know what he was a teacher of, but um, anyways, Dr. Prof- Dr. Professor. <laughs> professor Hans Krauss warned that children in the United States were losing their muscle tone because of the affluent lifestyle of the 20th century. Ooh. And he also showed that the U.S. children were less fit than their European counterparts. So guess that what that did to our oh
0: country. little competition. Yeah, huh? a little
1: little healthy or maybe unhealthy competition. We didn't want those darn Europeans to beat us at anything.
0: Nope, nope, nope.
1: <laughs> so after President Eisenhower got wind of this, he was like, "Okay, we have to do something." Um, and and his council created the President's Council on Youth Fitness in 1956. After that, President Kennedy developed a physical fitness curriculum for schools. Well, I don't know if Kennedy did himself, but his administration did. And then in 1964, Lyndon B. Johnson's administration created the National Fitness Survey. And in 1966, created the Presidential Fitness Challenge for schools.
0: Which still exists, right? It
1: does still exist. It's called something different, but it's pretty much the same thing. Um, so this is basically where kiddos got together at, during gym class and, and they had to test each other um, doing various things.
0: <laughs> I did that, Sit-ups, yeah. Sit-ups,
1: push-ups. Um, the, the one that Lyndon B. Johnson's administration created, <laughs> these are so funny to me. Um, so the child had to throw a softball. Um, they had to do a broad jump, which I believe is like a long jump. Or just jump <laughs> from right, stationary yeah. a, position. A
0: long jump. A broad jump. <laughs> jump broadly. Um,
1: a 50-yard dash and a 600-meter walk. So uh, children didn't have to do this, but but children were then ranked, you know, in the percentile. So, so if you were able to throw a baseball a certain number of yards... And you know, maybe you could rank in the eighty fifth percentile of children, so it was it was kind of a friendly competition for kids as well, mm,
0: yeah, very judgy friendly competition. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing this in school actually, and there was fitness day, mm-hmm. and you would do sit ups with your buddy and push ups with yep. your buddy, and you'd always lie you'd yeah. count oh two four <laughs> six eight ninety eight sit ups <laughs> in fourteen seconds. <laughs> I grew up in Texas.
1: <laughs> well, when I yeah. when I did this, um, there was the hanging. Um,
0: right. Women didn't have to do pull-ups. You just had to hang for a certain amount of time, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We could do pull-ups if we wanted to, but we just were encouraged to, to be able to hang from a pull-up bar. Just hang loose. <laughs> it did, I, I assume the boys had to do pull-ups.
0: Right. We had to do pull-ups, and like three pull-ups was considered average.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I was three pull-ups below average i couldn't do a pull-up until i was like in my mid-20s i
1: I still can't do a pull-up
0: you can do one unassisted pull-up that's not true (laughs) which is
1: jump from the floor
0: more than average Mm -hmm. and then there was also some stretching components to this they put that metal box in front of you with a slider thing on it and Mm -hmm. a ruler thing and you had to reach out to your (laughs) toes and see how far you could push that thing
1: we have and one of those at our gym wh- right now.
0: We do, and I still have horrible mobility.
1: Yeah. Well, I I just like to think that your legs are longer than
0: My legs than are average. Yes, very long. Yeah. Unaverage, like freakishly long legs <laughs> and then like short stubby arms. <laughs> it just is horrible.
1: So that's it's why not my that's fault. why you uh, you can't push that little metal piece very far.
0: Exactly. Yep, it's not my fault. And
1: so so this uh the President Fitness Presidential Fitness Challenge is backed up by celebrities, which is pretty cool. So um Arnold Schwarzenegger was a uh, was a celebrity committee member for a while and I think Just
0: do your steroids, kids. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think currently Drew Brees, famous football player, for
0: the New York <laughs> New Orleans Saints <laughs>
1: Um, I think he sits on the committee right now, which is kind of cool.
0: We like Drew Brees, yeah.
1: So, to qualify for the President's President's Fitness Challenge Award today, students must fall into the 85th percentile in all five of the tests. And that means that um, a 15-year-old girl must finish 38 crunches in one minute, run an eight-minute mile... Shuttle run, two pull-ups, and a 10 second short sprint, um, and reach eight inches past their feet in a V-sit reach, in order to to get like a a piece of paper signed by the president. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of anything
0: for dudes in there.
1: No, no, I hmm. only wrote down what what oh, it was for girls. Oh, got
0: it. So this sexist thing only goes one way. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: It was my research. The research just left me. Well, out. we had
0: our time, guys. It's over now.
1: <laughs> We're not done yet.
0: Well, probably just take what the women do and at least triple it. I mean, I could probably do triple it at least. <laughs> um, in
1: 2003, under George W. Bush's administration, they introduced the Adult Fitness Challenge. And Bush's council also added the Presidential Active Lifestyle Award, which, which recognizes a regular fitness r- routine in te- instead of a one shot test. And President Obama's administration added another initiative to the President's Council on Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition. Um, namely, First Lady Michelle Obama had a big movement to end childhood obesity called Let's Move, and it didn't affect the physical fitness test, but it helped introduce healthy foods and more physical fitness into the nation's schools. All right, so what's going on today with calisthenics? Um, Since we're talking about it on this podcast, I think it's pretty obvious that that calisthenics the word calisthenics is becoming more popular more people are at the gym just doing calisthenics right um so today there is a popularity in street sports is kind of another word for is what a lot of people are calling calisthenics and by street sports i mean parkour Uh,
0: ah yes
1: urban solo climbing which is crazy
0: is that like climbing buildings and trees and things like that? Yeah,
1: like without Urban rope.
0: solo climbing.
1: You see Got videos it. of this all the time. Because
0: you're not going to have any friends if you do this.
1: <laughs> High wire walking is becoming popular. Street ball, street hockey, and free running, which I think just means jogging. Um, I thought it was all... fi-
0: uh, similar to parkour. Free running oh. and parkour have been used... But free running is where you're actually running, but then jumping off of things. I could be mistaken, but free running is actually really popular in Europe. In European movies, they have these whole series of movies where these people are. It's like Jackie Chan. He did a lot of that stuff in Mm -hmm. a lot of his movies, but very similar to that.
1: Okay, that makes sense. I like that. And there's also been a big rise in in adult gymnastics and mobility. So My we've seen a lot Sister is taking adult gymnastics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've seen a lot of programs out there that are targeting adults for gymnastics and mobility and even adult gymnastic gyms where you can actually go and and take gymnastics lessons as an adult. Um we're finding that more and more adults such as you and I are starting to turn away from weights a little bit and more towards um freedom of body movement, agility and purposeful fitness
0: yeah more of that you know functional fitness type of thing it's everything's got to have some kind of gimmick and phrase to it otherwise it's not fun but yes i think this trend towards more like play stuff really mean we missed a whole chunk of that i think i did anyways i learned how to crawl and stand and walk and sit i didn't learn (laughs) how to do any like flips or twists or any of that kind of fun stuff so now i'm throttling it back a little bit and trying to really jump into that stuff for a couple reasons one because lifting weights has done some damage to my body Mm -hmm. and also it's pretty boring just to lift weights okay i've done that for a number of years and now i just want to try something else yeah And I still believe that fitness is interesting. And actually, that leads us to a good point. We talked to Dr. Grove Higgins, the official doctor of Under 10 Fitness that works over at the Colorado Springs Human Performance and Rehabilitation Clinic. He's a doctor of chiropractic medicine. He's got, I don't know, five, six hundred bajillion certifications. He's just got (laughs) a wall of degrees and things like that. He's always doing some type of weekend course or something he's a movement doctor really when it comes down to it and we talked to him about this a lot you know why should we be doing bodyweight movements and what is all these things that you're teaching us because he's really opened our eyes to some things and i asked him uh, to help us out a little bit so we're gonna go to the audio from him and i asked him two simple questions and i said the first question is Why is it important that we do these bodyweight exercises before adding load
2: or weight? And here is Dr. Grove with his answer. Before you add weight to any movement, you must develop the movement patterns behind the movement first. So take squat for example. A squat is actually one of the most basic primal movements that the body can do. However, it is something that is developed in a weightless or at least body weight scenario since we were little. One of the first movements that you do after crawling is squatting. And so it's important to develop that movement pattern before load. Otherwise, you change how the structure addresses the forces put through the system, especially in the gym. Gym movement tends to be very liability-driven, if you want to say, in the sense that we've developed rules behind movement in order to help clients reduce their risk of injury because, and here's the catch, because they move so poorly. So a movement developed outside of the gym and outside of load will develop a much more superior and safer movement once it's loaded.
0: And as a follow-up question from Dr. Grove, I wanted to know, with all of this jumping into the weights before really learning how to move and load that position, are there any problems? So with the typical gym setting that requires us to lift weights first, can there be any problems from this? Here we go to Dr. Grove.
2: It is very typical to see in a gym setting that adding weight is the first thing we do. But... That's just because we're kind of simple individuals. When there's something in front of us, we tend to use it. Kind of like when you sit down, if there's food on your plate, you tend to eat it, even if it's too much food. Same thing in the gym. There's weights, there's machines, there's things to do. And so instead of going to the most basic thing that we could do, such as body weight movement, and and high-precision movements using just the body, we tend to pick up the thing that will give us a goal. So you pick up the dumbbell or barbell and you curl it. That's something that we can accomplish and it has an endpoint to it. Whereas in body weight movement, unless you know what you're doing and you have a specific movement to go to, we tend to try to make things up and it's a little too creative. And in being creative, we tend to lose our way, and we get bored with it very quickly. So then picking up a weight and saying, I'm going to do upper body. Well, I know five exercises to do with the upper body, and all of them require weight. Then what do we do? We pick up the weight. So that's typically why I think we pick up the weights first. The other aspect is that we've developed these objects in the gym to perform exercises. We haven't looked at a movement and said, how can we load this the best? We said, hey, we have a bar with weights. We have this heavy thing. And so let's create a exercise to it. So we create the barbell curl. We create the loaded squat and such. And that has become the basis of most of exercise prescription in popular exercise. We see this in all the men's magazines and even the women's magazines, uh, all the bodybuilding encyclopedias by Arnold Schwarzenegger and such like that. There are actually very few bodyweight exercises because they don't require a implement and it's hard to program to just bodyweight. It's actually not that hard, but we do make things much more complicated than they need to be. There
0: we have it, Brittany. So, again calisthenics, bodyweight training, it really uh, could be something that you might want to check out, huh?
1: Absolutely.
0: What have uh, some of the benefits been for you kind of putting the weights down a little bit and just, uh, you know, playing with yourself? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's oh, what calisthenics is, is, is playing with obvious. yourself. <laughs>
1: um, it's really helped me get a sense of where my body is in space and time which sounds so crazy because it's like well of course you're you're where you are in space and time but I feel like for my whole life I've never been able to really connect my feet from my or my feet and my head like they've always been kind of separate and I think that's why I've always had trouble like snowboarding or really with any type of sport. Um, I have a hard time really like getting my feet under me and and knowing where they are. Um, so I think that's a big benefit for me and also it's really helped my body heal as well. Um, weightlifting was great. Powerlifting was great and I'm not totally done with it. Um, I'm just taking a break, I think, and I might go back to it in the future, but it was really becoming... Um, harsh on my body and and there were some maybe some some bad habits and movements that were starting to crop up that needed to be fixed
0: by the way if she ever says let's take a break (laughs) yeah you're never getting back together (laughs) (laughs) sorry weightlifting and powerlifting (laughs) she is done with you (laughs) now calisthenics It could be a little bit overwhelming at first, but basically there are some really easy moves that you can start with. Simply push-ups. You can do some pull-ups. I know they're challenging at first, but investing in a pull-up bar would be a really good thing. And simple squats and playing with the foot placement in that squat. So going from a wide stance and then literally inching your feet in by fractions of centimeters, inches, just coming in and getting really good at any movement. Basically, anything that you can think of as far as body position, you can turn it into a calisthenics and exercise movement. Also, another important thing is learning how to breathe properly. Mm-hmm. There's hundreds of muscles in the body, and we give a lot of attention to some main ones, biceps, pecs, lats, hamstrings, and we really focus on these big core ones, but we don't really think about and focus on all the little ones that really put us all together. So everything kind of needs to be put together in balance. But just to make it a little bit easier, if you want, you can go to our Facebook page. Just get on Facebook and look for Under 10 Fitness, uh, or it is facebook.com slash under T-E-N Fitness. And I'll go ahead and post a link to this website and article. It's man dash exercises and it's 227 different ideas for you to think about when doing calisthenics and bodyweight exercises. Also, another really cool thing is that you can do these anywhere.
1: Yeah, that is really cool.
0: And you don't need a lot of time. When you're talking about progressions and making the body better at something, if you can just take a few minutes a day, five minutes, six minutes... I mean 10 minutes, under 10 fitness, right? We also <laughs> we do believe that you can really get a lot of gains just by simply taking a few minutes a day or a couple times a day and focusing on some exercises here. And they really do have a lot of benefits as far as feeling better, moving better, and then the mental aspect of it, you really kind of get out of your head and you feel a lot better when you do some moves there. And then calisthenics itself If you want that body like a bodybuilder type body, you can actually achieve that because there's movements and progressions where you can make them more challenging and then isolate specific body parts. You're talking about like pistol squats. You can really focus on the quads and the hamstrings and the glutes to develop those muscles so that you can still compete or or just really look sexy because that's what it all boils down to. So, Brittany, do you have anything else? Did you have any other calisthenics moves that you wanted to uh, touch on?
1: No. We got them all.
0: Because, yeah, you you really did go through a lot there. So that is going to do it. Basically, calisthenics is what, Brittany?
1: Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious.
0: Movements. Cool. So movements that make your heart sing. <laughs> <laughs> it's simply bodyweight exercises. And then fitness itself has... Really recently jumped into this uh, at-the-gym setting. Before that, fitness was just life and spirituality, kind of. And then in the Great Depression, here in the United States, nothing. Everybody just tried to live. Yeah. (laughs) It disappeared for a while. Then it revitalized there with a presidential fitness program. And that is going to do it for this episode. I want to thank Dr. Grove Higgins for his insight there. If you want to learn more from him, it's cshpr.com dot com. He does have a course called MovePerfect.net. That's M-O-V-E-P-E-R-F-E-C-T dot N-E-T. And he goes through the Shin Box, which is a really good foundational movement uh, it does cost a little bit of money. I think it's $57 to $65 right around there. 57 was a very specific was very number. Specific. Was it? I think it might be 57 exactly. <laughs> but anyways, if you're looking for like a base movement, that might be something to look at. And there's tons of calisthenics exercises that you can search and that is c-a-l-i-s-t-h-e-n-i-c-s yes i am reading that because i'm not smart enough to know how to spell calisthenics (laughs) i am drew smith your dude voice
1: and i'm Brittany smith your lady voice if you
0: want to find out more you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at under t-e-n fitness as always remember
1: stay motivated Thanks for listening to the Under 10
0: Fitness Podcast. Find workouts, mobility drills, and yoga online at under10fitness.com.